Um, Readings from John chapter 12, verse 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Jew at Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Good morning, everybody. Is of course Palm Sunday today, that iconic moment when Jesus deliberately choosing a donkey, a sign of peace, not the war horse, the sign of armed battle, rides into Jerusalem, and it's on the back of raising Lazarus from the dead. Now, I have done it, Pete, it's just cooling down, but thank you. (laughs) One day we'll have a, a heating system that doesn't do this. And of course, for followers of Jesus, it's so bittersweet, isn't it, Palm Sunday? Because the story, we know, we know what's coming next. We know it's the way of the cross. And for the disciples and the crowd, it's all about celebration, the raising of Lazarus. But for Jesus, it's an act of submission. Because in riding in on the donkey like that, he is submitting himself to what he knows is going to happen. It's kind of almost the final get-out, but he's choosing to come to Jerusalem in full knowledge of what they will do. And over the last few weeks, we've been thinking about that journey to the cross. We've been thinking about how right at the heart and above everything to do with following Jesus stands the cross Two weeks ago, we talked about human sexuality, and then last week, Anna Burgess spoke so powerfully on whether we would let Jesus come and join us in our mess. And today, I want us to think about what it means to travel with Jesus on the path of submission. And submission's a a difficult word, the Bible's full of it. And it kind of, it means putting myself in a place where I will let God set the agenda and where I will remain teachable. I will be willing to change 
how I think, what I do. I will let him set the agenda rather than me. On, uh, on Wednesday, I had a great evening. Um, who here has heard of John Arnott and the Toronto Airport Fellowship? Yeah, it's one... John's one of the heroes of the charismatic renewal um, way back in the 1990s. Um, God did something amazing, starting with his church in Toronto, and it was kind of like the fireworks of the Holy Spirit. And it kind of changed... Um, a rather drab Christian world from, from black and white into colour and um, kind of the power and the extravagance and the, the beauty of God the Holy Spirit kind of burst out on the scene in a fresh way and impacted many, many people's lives. And um, one of the people who really led in that was, was John and he's, he's getting on now, he's 79, but he came to Sheffield he was speaking at the well, and they very in- kindly invited me to go along, so I did. And um, he was reflecting on the story of the Catch the Fire uh, movement. It was very encouraging. He said, I, I didn't know this, but he said, do you know there are more Christians alive now across the world than have died since the church began? So there's more Christians alive now than have died since Christianity began. And um, you know, that's, that's encouraging. But that's not the bit that really struck me. Um, the bit that's kind of stayed with me was a very offbeat moment when John talked about the story of Cinderella, which um, I was not expecting. And he said, you know what? The story of Cinderella is quite like the gospel. And you could kind of look around the room and everyone's thinking, okay. And and he said, but it is, it is. Cinderella's mother dies. Her father remarries the wicked stepmother. And then Cinderella's father dies. So she's left alone and her stepmother steals her inheritance and makes her a slave. And that's a bit like what happened with us in the beginning. It's true, isn't it? Because in the beginning, the enemy made us slaves. And Cinderella's helpless to change the situation. You know, she's there in the cinders, that's the ash, that's why she's called Cinderella. And, of course, um, it's not too bad in the Disney version because she's got such a beautiful singing voice that all she has to do is reach out her hand and the birds of the air come and sort of land on it. But um, in other versions, that doesn't happen. She's in the cellar sweeping the ashes, helpless to change her situation, which, again, is just like us. And then the Holy Spirit arrives in the form, obviously, of the fairy godmother. And the pumpkin becomes the coach, and the mice become the horses, and Cinderella has a beautiful dress, and she goes to the ball, and she dances with the prince, and she wins his heart, but at the stroke of midnight, the magic begins to wear out, 
and she runs down the steps trying to get back in the coach before it goes back into a pumpkin. But she leaves her glass slipper on the top step and the prince can't catch her in time and the coach disappears and she's back in the cellar with the ashes and he's got this glass slipper and you know the story and he searches through the kingdom and at last he finds the girl whose foot fits the glass slipper and everything comes right and depending on which version you read the wicked stepmother and the two ugly sisters get their just desserts or are forgiven and Cinderella marries the prince and they all live happily ever after but said John and this is this is the bit that really stuck with me the story needs an extra chapter because it doesn't really work because Cinderella has been raised as a slave effectively I mean we you know we get a lot of that stuff now don't we about people who are often from other countries kind of made to live as slaves even in the west and either paid nothing or paid a pittance and obviously often sort of very very abused and that's you know that's the Cinderella story really and she's lived as a slave as long as she can remember and she does not know how to receive love and how to give love she's just not ready to marry the prince she has no idea how to receive love has to see, how to see herself as someone who is loved and therefore how to give love back and what she needs to do is come and live in the king's house she needs to live with the king in his house and learn and learn the business of how to see herself as loved how to receive love and then she can live and she can give love back. And then she'll be ready to marry the prince. And that sounds great, but it will cost her something. It'll actually cost her a lot. She'll have to begin to pattern her life on the way things are done in the king's house. You know, I'm sure um, Cinderella was pretty full of bitterness and resentment again maybe not in the Disney version but she's, she's got to leave that behind now she's got to pattern her life and her thinking and her emotional life on the way things are done in the king's house and she's going to have to submit to how things happen in the king's house she'll have to recognise herself as someone who does not know the ways of grace and who has to receive them and learn them. And of course that is just like us, isn't it? We are people who do not really, not really, we do not know the ways of grace, not the way that Jesus lives them. And we have to receive them and we have to learn them. And that, that's true of everybody here. You 
You know, you sometimes hear people say one way or another that there are many paths to God. Many paths, you know. It doesn't really matter which religion, uh, secular or not, that you, you follow. There's so many paths to God. But a quick reading of the Gospels should convince you pretty quickly that actually there are no ways to God. There's absolutely no way for the human race to get to God. I mean, maybe the gods with a small g, the the sort of gods that Paul talks about when he names the rulers and the powers and the principalities. But the God through whom the worlds were made, we cannot get to him. He's beyond our reach. He's not made in our image. And his holiness, his purity, his goodness and his beauty would burn us up like a moth in a furnace. There is no way for us to get to God, which is, of course, why he came to us, why Jesus came. And we talk about finding faith sometimes or finding God, which is fine, although sometimes it sounds a bit like spiritual shopping. But actually... It's God who finds us. It's God who found me. Which brings us back to Palm Sunday because there is Jesus riding in on a donkey, not a war horse, a very humble animal, not special, the one the peasants used, not the rich people with an unshakable purpose to rescue us who, like Cinderella, do not know the ways of grace and to disarm the enemy, to take the enemy's power over us away. And the crowd's ecstatic welcome is shallow love, superficial love, celebrity love. Enjoy the moment. This is fantastic. Have you seen it? Instagram picture. It's morning mist loyalty. It's not going to last. Jesus knows that. And the scribes and the Pharisees who are the real opinion formers and influencers and have been waiting for the Messiah for centuries do not recognize Jesus. They're imprisoned in their own love of power and their own framework and they will not submit to him because that's what they'd have to do. They would have to submit to Jesus. Caiaphas and the rest would have to say, like Peter, you have the words of eternal life. They were not about to do that. Jesus did not negotiate You know, the enemy tried in the wilderness, you know, if you will worship me, in other words, if you leave me in place, you can have it all without going to the cross. You know, you do this bit, I'll do this bit. Jesus would not accept any solution that left the enemy in place and unharmed. He he did not say, okay, Caiaphas, you know, we can work this out. 
you know, you handle Jerusalem and the relationship with the Romans and the temple worship and all that. And, and you know, and I'll, I'll do Galilee and Judea and, and that bit. And, you know, I'm sure we can learn from each other. Because God deals in truth. And in the end, we have to choose either the freedom of serving the King of Kings and learning the ways of grace and how to see ourselves as loved and to give back love in return. Or we can be slaves to sin and live in the darkness. And it isn't easy for us because we have the myth of human independence. We have the myth that there's some kind of neutral ground where we can sit and, you know, do some spiritual shopping. I'll have that bit, please, and I'll have that bit, please, and all that looks nice. Have you got it in blue and a size 10? You know, I'll have that bit, but I I won't have the other bit because that's too hard. And the temptation's always been, and you can see it all through the Old Testament, It was never that they stopped worshipping God. It was never that they completely abandoned worshipping God. But they wanted the other gods as well, the gods of money and power and sex. They wanted to do, they wanted them as well. They wanted to add them into the mix, to have a bit, you know, of, of shopping for that bit and that bit and that bit. But it doesn't work. Whenever we don't choose God, we end up with the enemy. And we have the uncomfortable choice of obedience or rebellion. We always have had, right from the beginning, the uncomfortable choice of submit and obey or rebel. Which turns out to be the choice, learn to receive love or not. The Pharisees chose not to submit to Jesus. And they had their own reasons, which look extremely weak to us, but strong to them. The issue is whether I'm going to submit and whether you will. And if, if you're here this morning, the likelihood is that in your history with God, there has been a moment when you chose to submit. I mean, you, you could be visiting, in which case you're really, really welcome. But the likelihood is for nearly everyone in this room that there's been a moment when you chose to submit. But, but the question is, are you still in that place? Because we get hard hearts so quickly. We had that word um, earlier from Joe. You know, we get comfortable. We get comfortable. We like it when the wind from heaven is warm and inviting and exciting and carries kind of gold dust on it. But we don't like it when the wind from heaven is rather sharp and rather keen and it cuts through something that we we want to hold. The point is, are you going to stay in that place of submission? Submission. 
And you might be like Gideon, you know, from the Old Testament. Gideon is there, and he hasn't got enough. There's not enough food, because the Midianites have come up like locusts, and they're eating everything, and there's no food. So instead of threshing his grain in the normal places, in the wine press, which is normally empty at that time of year, and he's threshing the grain, and he's furious because why has God abandoned us? Why haven't I got more? Why is my life not working out well? He doesn't understand it's because the people abandoned God and served the Baals. And the angel appears and Gideon says, well, why? Why? Why haven't I got more? And Gideon has to deconstruct his sense of entitlement because that's what's going on Gideon's furious because he hasn't got what he thinks he should have. You may have to deconstruct your sense of entitlement. None of us are entitled. Or maybe you're like Abraham, and that's not your issue. Your, Your issue is you want to be in control, and you've got the promise from God. Like Abraham had, you're going to have a baby. You've got the promise, but but it's not happening and it's not happening and it's not happening. So you push it and you sleep with Hagar and you get another baby and it doesn't turn out well because you want to be in control and you want it now. Or maybe you're like Zechariah in the temple and the angel appeared and you're so worn out that even when God turns up, You don't believe it. Or like Thomas, where you are so traumatized and so discouraged by what they did to Jesus that when the other 11 say, we've seen him, forget it, forget it. I can't do it anymore. I can't. If that's you, take hope because God met both of them, didn't he? Met them both. It worked out okay in the end for both of them. Jesus didn't reject Thomas. He just came and, you know, put your hand in here and touch my feet. And, and it, it, it came okay. Or maybe you're a Zacchaeus and you are extremely successful and prosperous and you have everything that money could buy. but it's not enough, and you're empty. The issue of submission often shows in our relationships with each other, and that's often where it comes out in our relationships with each other, because our primary submission is to God. That's with a big S for submit, but out of it, Ephesians 5 verse 21, submit to one another, out of reverence for Christ. And it's often that bit where the rubber hits the road and we have to submit to one another when we don't want to. It's often that that reveals what's in our hearts. It's not just submission. It's not just submission. We resist the devil. We fight against the devil. We refuse to submit to the enemy. 
I mean, I think it's the saddest of all when we submit to the enemy and we refuse to submit to God because it's stupid. So I thought you would do now is just have some space to do business with the Holy Spirit. We're going to have a, um, a worship response, which is kind of, it's, it's a song which is an offering of me and a celebration of God. But I'd like us to do some business with God and the Holy Spirit for just a minute or two. Lord, a long time ago I said yes and I chose to submit. But would you come and test my heart now? And if there are prideful and unsubmissive ways in me, would you reveal my heart?